Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, topics, loaded like offense, Colt-centric, talk about it often, Stampede Blue, let's Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts cast, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host Matt Dainley, thank you guys for coming back for another show. Uh, starting off after the bye week here, we are going to look into some game film from the Jaguars last uh, last game, and that was against the Eagles in week eight, obviously they didn't play last week. So we've got a little bit to talk about uh, on this. We're going to talk about both the offense and the defense, kind of discuss what we think, you know, where their maybe where their weaknesses lie, kind of things we've done in the past over the past several weeks, and kind of try to look at what the Colts are getting into here in, in Week 10 as they start their second half of the season, heavy AFC South uh, lineup, and, and one of the most Im- important parts of the year, to be quite honest. I mean, we've got – the Texans, who are kind of surging right now, the Titans have one of the best defenses in the league right now. The Jaguars are up there as well defensively, but they've got some weaknesses on both sides of the ball that the Colts can exploit. And uh, this should be a—I think this should be a really good game, to be quite honest with you. So, uh, without further ado, let's dig right in. Let's look at the Jags' defense. Currently, they're 13th against the run, allowing 4.2 yards per play. Second against the pass. That's big. That's that's important. Uh, but we'll talk about these matchups and why that might not be a, a quite as big of an issue here. And they're uh, allowing 6.7 yards per play against the pass. They're 25th in sacks. They've only uh, brought up 19 sacks throughout the year. They're 8th in points per game allowed at 21.2. So, uh, let, let's just kind of look at the at the raw statistics right there uh, up front. I mean, very average against the run. The Colts have a pretty good run game right now. They're second against the pass, but you have to love what the Colts do with Andrew Luck, despite not having the wide receiver, uh, you know, the, the power at the wide receiver there. I mean, the, the, there's not a lot of great receivers on this team, right? Uh, the Colts have done pretty well on third down. They've been able to to be successful both in and out of the pocket. You know, Andrew Luck's been able to step up. The protection has been really good. A lot, the allowance of the running game there is helping with the pass again for the Colts. So I think that the Colts might be all right here as far as in the past with the Jaguars. That's clearly their their strength. Uh, they're not getting to the quarterback very much, but that, in my opinion, on the other hand, you know, versus the the run in the pass here, that's a little deceiving. Because the the Jaguars are getting pressure. They may not be getting the sacks that a lot of teams are getting, but they're getting pressure. And they're doing it a vast majority of the time with only four blitzers. So uh, the, the only allowing 21.2 yards or 21.2 points per game, 
I don't think that's going to be an issue either so long as the O-line holds up and the Colts are able to kind of take advantage of some of the things that the Jaguars don't do so well. So I think that the Colts, when they're, I mean, they're averaging right now, I think almost 30 points per game, 29 something per game. So that's, you know, the, the Colts are going to be able to get that 21.2 and then some, and, uh, and we'll talk about the Jaguars offense here in a little bit and how those two kind of coincide. Uh, first of all, getting into some specifics, they're, they're good about getting their hands up at the line of scrimmage. They're very, I mean, this is a, a, a really active bunch. I mean, you've got Malik Jackson in there. You've got Calais Campbell. You've got some other guys in there, and they're going to create some havoc. Andrew Luck's got to be good about getting the ball out, and he's going to have to be good about how he is, uh, you know, kind of showing his hand and, and how quickly it is because the Jaguars know he's going to be getting the ball out quickly. They're going to have their hands up, and they did that pretty well against the Eagles. They've done it well uh, in previous weeks before that. So that's going to be something the Colts are going to have to deal with, and that's something that the the offensive line is going to have to do. They're going to have to get them on their heels and outpower them in order to keep those hands down. Uh, another thing, if the Colts' tight ends don't block well as in-line blockers here, uh, the Jags will get to the running backs as they come down the line of scrimmage off of the edge. The, the, the Jaguars have a nice pressure point on the edges here. They're not the the best edge rushers, so to speak, but they will split the offensive linemen and they will put enough uh, you you know an, enough creativity behind their blitzes to where they will be able to get in between a couple guys and they will they will get to the running backs if the Colts aren't solid in that area. That is something that the Colts are going to have to deal with because the Colts do have you know Jack Doyle back. He's going to be able to help as a as a blocker. You know what does Miley Cox do or Swoop or whoever is in there? You know what I'm saying? I mean it's just Ebron's not much of a blocker, so the Colts are really going to have their hands full with this. Maybe we see the Colts use an extra lineman there in some of these packages because that is a clear weakness and a clear strength, I guess I should say, for the Jaguars as they try to get uh, their their running game uh, taken care of, uh, their defensive part of the running game. Uh, they don't really need to send more than four, and, and this is something that we've seen with a lot of other teams. The Colts, you know, they are kind of creative with their 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 blitz packages, but the Jaguars, they really trust that front four, and they're going to use it most of the time, which is going to leave a lot of coverage options on the back end, so the Colts are going to have to deal with that. Their DL's pretty good at diagnosing the screen as well. It's the tackling afterwards that may be a different story. And right now, the Colts screen game is absolute trash. I mean, they just they they cannot get uh, any anything going with their screen game. So if the Colts are going to do anything with that, the Colts have to be much better about that than they've been in the past. This the the they they can get out and they can get to the uh, the spots that they need to be, but. Man, if the Colts can get something out in space there to where they've got some room to run and maybe a couple blockers out there, then the Colts are going to be okay because the 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 Jaguars just I'm not, you know, I, and I'll say this here in a second, I'm not incredibly impressed with their pursuit to the outside of the numbers. So, uh the Colts will need to run picks on the outside to get some space between the receiver and Jalen Ramsey. This is an issue and it's an issue because Ramsey is so damn good and he is good. So, what do they do? I mean, and, and most importantly, who is Ramsey hooked up against? You know, whether uh, it's Inman, you know, which would be nice because I think that they're going to continue to try to use Inman in some of those short yardage third down situations. 
they're going to have to get these picks going, whether they use maybe Ebron, uh, he split out in the slot or something like that to kind of get these two, uh, you know, working well together. That's going to be something that they need because Ramsey outside of the numbers is fantastic. He's pretty good coming across the field, but they're going to have to create some space because not only are they going to have to catch the ball, they've got to do something after the catch. So Ramsey is the the clear front runner there as far in terms of, you know, how good he is in coverage for the Jaguars. The Colts have a lot uh, that they're going to have to do to get them open. And they're just simply going to have to beat him off the line of scrimmage. And he, he has some vulnerabilities as well, but more than, more than anything, he's going to get into somebody's head. He's physical. So the Colts are going to need to do just about whatever they can to kind of try to eliminate some of his best points. Uh, the Colts OL will, will, uh, get a really good test this, this week, guys. I mean, they're physical. They, they, they're going to have to be physical up front can they can they stay fundamental while they're doing that? This is going to be a huge test. Like I said, Campbell, uh, Jackson. I mean, there's a bunch of guys up front that that they rotate in, and they're really good. So Nelson, I mean, uh, we're going to have to see Kelly at his best as well. Mark Glowinski is going to be tested to the to the max here. We're really going to see if he's done as well as we think he's done because he's going to have some uh, some issues to deal with as well. And Braden Smith, you know, Braden Smith's going to be dealing probably they're going to throw some of those linebackers in there as a fifth man blitz, and he's going to have to be able to pass guys off. He and Glowinski are going to have to work really well together. So far they have, but this week is going to be a major test for them. Deep crossing routes, uh, the deeper crossing routes, I should say, get some good space uh, against these because they don't pass off these routes incredibly well. I mean, especially when you're going just behind or you're going through the linebackers and you're getting across the field, the Colts should be trying to take advantage of this because this is definitely a situation where the Colts can find some open yardage. It creates some yak opportunities as well. This is going to be someplace they need to target against this Jaguars defense. It might be one of their biggest weaknesses, in my opinion. I just don't see them consistently being able to either travel across the field with the receivers or being able to pass them off efficiently in in order to keep some of these catches uh, under control. So that's something the Colts will need to do. Um, the Colts will have to run really good routes. I mentioned this a few minutes ago. Their secondary is just as vulnerable to getting turned around if they come out hard at the line of scrimmage. Now, one of the things that I did see, I saw some tight ends even get uh, uh, Ramsey turned around. That, I mean, you can do that by g- going inside and cutting out on some out routes. I mean, they're going to have to be, you know, they're going to have to make some alterations to their routes, I think, in order to set these things up. A lot is going to depend, believe it or not, on this wide receiver crew that isn't quite up to snuff right now for the Colts, to be quite honest with you. So this is going to be a big week for them. It's going to be a big week for Andrew Luck to be able to hit these guys in stride when they're open and to be able probably to throw some balls in some tight windows. Andrew Luck, these receivers, they've got a big, big test this week. And, you know, don't let the 3-5 and five record for these Jaguars fool you. Defensively, they're one of the toughest teams in the league. This is going to be a big, big big challenge for this Colts uh, offense that has so far 
turn some heads. And, and if they can do it again this week, then I think that a lot of people are going to just start saying that they're one of the elite offenses in the league. And that's crazy because their offensive core uh, at receiver is just you know so average at best. And so this will be something that will be fun to watch. It'll be nice to see them gain some, some nice space and uh, get some catches there. Uh, some of the outside zone runs uh, could find success. I'm, like I said, I'm not really impressed with the Jags' pursuit. Uh, they can do that, and, and they and it's not that they're not getting there. It's that they're not as physical when they come out outside of the hashes. They they tend to kind of break down a little bit more. Uh, this allows you know for a couple different things. This allows for you to continue outside, but it also they over pursue as well at times, which allows for some cutback lanes. And with Mac and with Naheem Hines, they're going to have to be watching those. They're they're very important, especially in the running game. And the Colts are going to have to be able to draw up some original plays here that they've yet to show through the first half of the season, especially in the run game. Uh, they're very good. The Jags are very good when they send a fifth rusher in terms of getting pressure. However, they become a, a, you know pretty loose uh, as a coverage unit when they're on uh, when they do that as well. So big plays are there for the taking downfield if the OL can withstand the initial rush. Uh, Luck's going to have to be great at the line of scrimmage as well with his inflection, kind of the change in his cadence. He's going to have to be able to see some of this stuff coming. It, it, I won't say that it's obvious, but I will say that there are some times when they tip their hand. Luck's got to catch those. Luck has to get those, especially if the Colts are going to have any sort of a sustained success to, to, in order to keep drives moving, to be successful on third down, to keep the, the turnovers down to a bare minimum, if any at all. It's necessary right now. This offense has to be great. Okay, they've got to be great because I think the other side of the ball can kind of do some things that uh, that can help the Colts here. Also, counters will give Colts running backs room to run. They they they've got to see this over pursuit I was talking about a little bit earlier, um, and otherwise they'll be stuffed. They've got to see the over pursuit and be able to cut back, and they can't take their sweet time doing it. They've got to be able to put a foot in the ground and cut back against the grain to get those extra four or five yards and possibly some nice open second and third level yardage. Uh, it's it's just they're they're they've got to be a a physical offensive line. They've got to be a running back room with great vision and speed and determination and decisiveness. They've got to be quick on their changes of of, of direction. So I, I think that this Colts offense has what it takes, guys. I truly do to be a big time player this week against, yes, a three and five uh, Jaguars team, but their defense, the Colts offense, has to go at their defense like they haven't done it so far, and they've got to be efficient, and they can't wait. They can't start slow. They can't come up limp in the end of the game. They've got to be good all the way around. This is going to be a fun game to watch, especially with these two units on the field. Uh, we'll get to the defense here in just a minute, but Colts fans, we've got a great deal for you. Let me tell you about TickPick, this amazing app to buy tickets to any game, concert, or other event. Are you looking for tickets to this week's game and want to know exactly what you're going to pay for those tickets? I do, and if you do too, then TickPick and their amazing and simple app is right up your alley. The TickPick app is extremely easy to use, and best of all, there are absolutely no surprises at checkout. Listen, you find the game, find the seats you want, and you're all set. Think StubHub without any fees. You get the same tickets, the same sellers, but absolutely zero fees. 
You save 10 to 15% on every ticket order. And get this, for our listeners, they're offering you an amazing offer of $15 off any single order over $99 through the 30th of November. Now, that $99, that doesn't include any shipping. Like, So if you have something that's going to be sent to you via FedEx, the tickets themselves have to be $99 or more. All you have to do is enter Stampede 15 as your gift code at checkout. This isn't a sign-up only offer either, folks. So if you've already got the app, you're good to go. They went all in for you guys. Not only do I use TickPick, but I approached them and wanted to get the word out about this company because it was so stinking easy and nobody likes to find the seats they want, then get that smack in the face at checkout of another $35 to $50 in fees being added. I'll never use another ticket app again. It's a very user-friendly app, and you get the same great tickets with lightning quick ticket transfers. That's the way I go. You guys should do the same. Trust me. Uh, remember, that's TickPick, and use gift code STAMPEDE15 to save yourself $15 on any order over $99. Go to TickPick and take advantage of this crazy offer today. 100% verified Colts tickets without any fees. That's TickPick. Make sure you guys are doing that today. All right. Let's get into the defense here. I'm sorry, the Col- uh, the, their offense, the Jaguars' offense. Now, this is where, look, the Colts' defense – has definitely, you know, some some situations where they are allowing a ton of points per game. They're allowing a lot of yards per game. They're also making plays. They are definitely turning the tide in some of these games, especially late. We saw this in week eight. Back and forth game with the Raiders. You know, not not exactly a team that everybody is scared of. But you trade touchdowns. You force one third down with your defense. Then the next possession, you, you create a turnover. Those are huge. And the Colts have created a turnover every single week. And most of the weeks, more than one. This is going to be huge this week as well. And the Colts' defense has to be strong. They've got to create a pass rush against this offensive line. And I think they can do that. So let's look. The Jags' offense is 24th in yards per play overall. 5.4 yards per uh, per touch more or less 25th against the pass or 25 25th in the pass with 6.8 yards per play 18th in the run with 4.2 and they're tied for 29th in points per game allowed or points per game earned 16.8 that's nothing I mean the Colts have I think the only Colts uh game or the Colts have only allowed or Colts have only scored man I am fumbling uh scored less than 20 points once this year Basically, if the Colts can do anything close to what their average is, they should be able to beat this Jaguars team. And they're 15th in sacks uh, with 22 allowed. So the Colts can find some room to get in there and get to Blake Bortles, but we've got you know some other things that the Colts are going to have to deal with. So, uh, look, Bortles isn't good off of anything downfield. I mean, he's just not accurate. We've seen it for years. This year is really no different. He's had good games. We've seen that too. But more or less, Bortles is kind of a dumpster fire. Um, but one of the things that he does really well, and he did a lot in week eight, he's done it a lot throughout this season, is he can break that pocket and extend drives with his feet. That's something, and he's not always going outside. He'll come right up the middle of the pocket if it's clean and he will get the first down. He's a big guy. He's fairly athletic. He's got some decent speed, and he's big enough to take a hit. This is something the Colts are going to have to deal with. They, I don't think, I mean, no, I don't feel that they should need a spy on Blake Bortles, but they're going to have to be able to close on him, and they're going to have to be able to close on him quick because if they're sending an all-out blitz with four guys, especially if they send a fifth, 
The Colts got to have somebody there in the middle of the field or it's going to be a bad deal. I mean, they're going to gain 10, 15 yards anytime he touches the anytime he runs the ball. So the Colts are going to have to deal with that. It is a real issue, believe it or not. Uh, the running game is solid, above average blocking up front in that regard. Uh, not great, though. And again, there are some things that the Colts can do to kind of stymie that. And immediately what you want to see is some pressure in the backfield. Carlos Hyde uh, may bring a nice bit of physicality and speed to the running game as well. He's not great, though. I mean, the the, the Colt or the uh, the Jaguars with uh, with Yeldon and Hyde and, you know, whether whenever Fournette comes back or whatever's going on with him, the Colts are going to have to be physical up front. They're going to have to stuff these running lanes, and they may have to send one of their linebackers in to do it. But one way or another, they can get these this running game to being almost, in, in, you know, absolutely ineffective. And the Colts have to do that. If the Colts can be creative with their edge rush, they'll get home. There's no doubt about it. You send a guy off the edge. Uh, you send a, uh, you know, if you're going to send a linebacker, send him off the edge occasionally. That'll get home real quick. The Jags tackles are very vulnerable, and they're not great in their slide step and protection. I mean, they're just really slow. They're they're kind of you just don't see a great punch out of their uh, with their hands or anything like that. You're going to be able to see that the Colts can really get to Blake Bortles, but they've got to keep that interior pressure pretty stagnant or pretty uh, in, intense as well. And if they don't, that edge pressure will do nothing because Blake Bortles will step up and run up the middle. So the Colts must get a presence in the backfield to reroute these running backs. This is key. They get to dancing back there. They're slow. They're not making quick changes of direction. Uh, once they're disrupted, this Colts defense should swallow them. I mean, it, it, it's just a fact. You you look at them once a guy gets even in the backfield and they completely fall apart, their running backs do. They can't allow them to get any space to run. They've got a solid speed uh, dynamic between all of them in the backfield. But the Colts have to be really good about getting them to change direction in the backfield. If they can do that, this running game for the Jaguars will disappear. Uh, they, they've shown that in the past. They showed it in week eight as well. Uh, they really like the 10-yard hitches on the outsides to the wide receivers. It's an easy pass for Blake Bortles to make. Uh, they, they run some interesting combinations you know, to the other side of the field in order to get a man, man look, or they'll run the running back out to draw the uh, linebacker into the flats so that that hitch can be kind of uninterrupted and the passing lanes open. It's something that they like to do. We're going to see it. They run it with Moncrief. They run it with uh, with Cole. They run it with just about anybody, and the Colts are going to have to stop it. The Colts' corners are going to have to be able to plant their foot in the ground and break on the ball this week because, like I said, there's not a whole lot of opportunities for the Jaguars to throw the ball downfield. They just don't have the protection. They don't have the quarterback, and they really don't have a great receiver core. The Colts' corners are going to have to be able to come up and make a play on the ball the Colts safeties are going to have to be the 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 last bit of defense there as they should be especially in this scheme to be able to run the field and be able to disrupt anything that goes deep that may get past the corners it's going to be a very good uh week to see what kind of chemistry the guys in the in the secondary for the Colts have they they got to work together they're gonna have to pass off to each other and they're gonna have to be good about doing it 
The Colts' defensive line slants could punish the Jags' running game as well. You don't see a ton of cutbacks from the running backs. Like I said, they try to dance. They slow up tremendously. Uh, rather, they seem to stop and try to wait for, for an opening downhill. You want that from your running back off the snap, uh, trying to go straight into the teeth of the defense after you've already had to stutter and, and, and change directions is not going to help them. So the Colts could be really good here as long as the Jaguars don't use a ton of counters, I think. The Colts must stay focused on beating blocks and getting some sure tackling from these uh, linebackers. They've done well with that so far. Uh, uh, you have to like what Anthony Walker and Darius Leonard have done. But, you know, Matthew Adams, some of these other guys that may fill in, they're going to have to be just as good. They can't go out there headhunting. They've got to get the ball carrier down. It's, in, it's absolutely imperative. Uh, they'll occasionally go downfield, and like I mentioned to you a minute ago, the safeties will need to rotate well and not get sucked into the shallow routes. Now, sometimes the Colts do use like Gethers or somebody else to kind of uh, get underneath and get these while leaving a single high over the top. But the Colts, you know, I mean, they're going to have to be good about doing this, and they're going to have to make sure that they're using the right opportunities to do it. If they don't, and they're lax or they just don't, you know, pass off very well to each other, it's going to be an issue. And, you know, if it's Malik Hooker that's back there, if it's one of these other guys, you know, Corey Moore or somebody else, you know, it, it just the, – the Colts' safeties right now is taking a bit of a hit with Farley being out. It, it's, it's, it's a position that we need to watch. So this safety group, regardless of who's back there, is going to have to be on their game, and they're going to have to be really good. Bortles will make his living between the numbers passing the ball. Linebackers will be key to disrupting passing lanes. The Colts say we know about the Colts zone coverages, guys. There's a lot of open area there. The linebackers have to be smart. They have to be, you know, they have to be able to to see what's ahead of them. Anything that's being telegraphed from the Jaguars offense, they're going to have to do be instinctful and, and play like they're supposed to play in this in this scheme. Um, if they don't they're going to get picked apart off these little dink and dunks all day long. And then that is bad because that does nothing but give Blake Bortles a little bit of confidence. And he thinks he's even an average NFL quarterback and the Colts could be in trouble because he can hit the wheel routes. I'll mention this here in a sec. Uh, their wide receivers will get some yak. If the Colts aren't solid Bortles will not throw accurately further than 10 yards, but he will hit these wheel routes, you know, these little lofty passes. Some of some of the things where there's nobody over the top, Bortles can hit those. Okay, the the run the receivers can run underneath those and, and get some solid yardage, and that's bad news if nobody's over the top. Believe that. So this offense isn't great at all. Uh, in fact, they're not even average. But the Colts can't just allow them to kick their ass either. And if they do it's going to be bad news. So the Colts have to be solid. They've got to be smart. They've got to be instinctual. They've got to create turnovers, and they've got to eliminate this running game of the Jaguars. And if they don't, this could be a really tight game, or the Colts could lose, plain and simple. The Colts have a real test offensively against this defense, you know, with the Jaguars. But again, I, I personally, I trust in Andrew Luck right now more than I trust in just about anybody. The Colts have their hands full 
the Colts had the ability to win. And I think with the play calling that we've seen from Frank Reich, the combination of the playmaking ability from the defense, the ability of Andrew Luck to get uh, his guys open. You know, if these guys can catch the ball, the running game can be solid and the offensive line can come to play and kind of live up to what we've seen from them so far halfway through the season. The Colts should win this game. I don't think there is any question about that. Uh, so the Colts, in my opinion, I'm, I mean, I'm picking the Colts in this one. I don't often pick the Colts in this one because I just feel like they're going to, you know, it, it's just bad karma to pick them. But I'm, I mean, I'm picking them because I think the Colts should win this game. I do not believe that the Jaguars have anything close to an offense that should be able to win this game for them. I believe that the Colts have an offense that can take down this Jaguars defense, and that's where I'm at. I, I think that we look, we're looking at maybe a a 30 to you know 19 type of game 30 to 21 something like that I think the Colts should win this kind of handily actually if the Colts can come out and put some points on the board on their first drive uh, I mean I would look out because I think that that's where the Colts are their strongest and I think that also if you can get this defense motivated you know an, enough up front to where they're not just allowing all these you know little dinky dunky plays to chew up a bunch of yak or a bunch of, you know, yards after contact or anything like that. Uh, the, the Colts should, I, I just don't, I just don't think that this should be, you know, any closer than a, than a seven or eight point game. I'm sure that the Colts probably are, I don't know whether the Colts are favored or not in this game, but I think they should be I mean, if you look at the two, the two units for each team, yes, the Colts defense isn't great, but their offense is. The defense for the Jaguars is good, is very good, and the Colts or the Jaguars offense is absolute trash. We have to make sure that the Jaguars don't pull out some of these random ass games like they did when they put up like fifty points on the Colts. If the Colts can just keep them, you know, down, create a turnover, not allow a lot of yards, um, you know, in the second level, then the Colts should I, I just feel like the Colts should handle this one without any problem. So that's what I'm. That's where I'm at right now. Uh, a little bit of some of this film review, like I said, from uh, Week Eight with the Jaguars against the Eagles. I think the Colts are in good shape here, guys. Uh, it's going to be a, a fun week, I think, because now we're going to see a lot of AFC South uh, rivalry type games, and the Colts have some defenses they're going to have to deal with. They're going to have to play the Texans again. Uh, they're going to have to play a Dolphins team that's playing pretty well right now. You know, the Giants aren't a great team. And the Cowboys aren't a great team. Their offense is awful, too. But their defense is good, too. So this is going to be a very, very, very important second half of the season for the Colts' offense in general because that's the majority of the major battles that the Colts are going to be facing uh, in the second half of the 2018 season. So uh, thank you guys all for joining me. I appreciate you. Uh, make sure you guys are getting to the podcast uh, on iTunes and leaving us a rating and review. Always very helpful to get the show out there and get it noticed. You should have some more shows up through the rest of the week. And as always, get to Stampede Blue for all your Indianapolis Colts news and analysis. Thank you guys all for listening. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Colts cast. Stampede Blue. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. 
and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.